good to see each of you here again this morning. Maybe I'll do this little bit at the beginning, but I do plan to do some of this or include this a little later on. Um, didn't go back and check real closely, but I think I have everybody's name on a list that has uh, turned in an accountability card. And there are the normal questionnaires in your mailboxes this morning. And they do come back to me this time. Um, and sometimes that first question, um, maybe it's not even a question, first statement gives some of you a little problem. Um, if you want to verbally discuss uh, your internet usage with me, then put yes for the first statement. If you want to fill the card out, then check no or don't or just leave it blank and turn your, your card back in. So they are in your mailboxes and uh, would like to have them back before too long. I'll say here at the very beginning, uh, I knew when I started on this that I was going to get about this much of the subject covered. Now I think maybe I'll get this much of the subject covered. And through it, I hope it stirs your mind so that you can uh, personally do some digging. You'll probably think of verses that, well, why in the world didn't he put that one in there? That's the most important verse. Um, and the further I went, this verse came to my mind, this verse came to my mind, this verse came to my mind. I've already written a few of them on my notes since I printed them off this morning. Uh, and so it won't insult me if you come up with verses or thoughts that I don't mention. Uh, some of this was spurred because of a discussion and some of it was spurred because of happenings um, and so anyhow I'll just preface that with uh, the message with some of those things you'll probably hear some more about this another time maybe not even from me the title I have is another rule Another rule. Things happen in our time that get our attention. Tragedies, whatever. We've, we've read or seen of riots, fightings, killings, and just this last week another school shooting. So, what will fix those problems? And this, this is not a message about this, okay? This is the beginning of it. There are various attempts to slow this kind of thing, but they don't work. Often when guns are used to commit crimes, one of the, what's one of the first things that come out when a gun crime is committed? What's one of the first things? Suggestions of a solution. Gun control. Gun control. 
It don't work. So, one of the first things that comes up is the need for stricter gun laws. Gun laws aren't fixing the problem and won't fix the problem, but there is a fix to the problem. Now, I don't know, I subscribe to Plain News, okay? And this past week, they had a listing of school shootings in the United States where there were at least four deaths uh, that were the result of those shootings. And um, it's interesting as I look through these. Where there are four deaths at school shootings in the United States, and this starts back in the 1700s, there have been a total of 235 people killed, a total of 266 injuries. If my math is correct, that there's about 501 people involved. But as I break this down a little bit, so back in 1764, there were 10 deaths, 2 injuries. That's a long time ago. The next one isn't until 1893. That's almost 130 years. And there was four and one. And then there was another one in 1898. And there were six deaths. The next one was in 1940. And then there's a 30-year span in there, or a little less than 30 years. From 40 to 66, there were three shootings, 28 people killed, and 35 injured. The next 30 years, there were eight shootings, 55 people, and 108 injured. The next one goes down to 10 years. And it was actually would have been less than that because it was from 2002 to 2008, so about six years, there was five shootings. 59 killed, 48 injured. The next 10 years, 2012 to 2021, there have been nine shootings in schools, 93 people killed, 75 injured. So, is the attempt at fixing the problem working? I say it's not. Now, it's interesting as I look through this, one of them stands out. I remember where I was in one of these shootings, when I was made aware of one of these shootings. My wife and I were on a 30th anniversary trip, and I got a phone call from my uh, boss, and he said, where are you? And I told him, and he said, have you heard what's happening? And I said, no, I haven't. And that was the one that was at Blacksburg. So that tells you a little bit about us. That was in 2007, and we were on our 30th anniversary trip. So uh, it's been a few more years since then. So... I say that to say this, 
another rule hasn't fixed that problem. At least I don't think it has. And in my thinking, another rule won't fix that problem. As I thought about some of these things, my mind went back to some Old Testament characters. And I want to look just a little bit at two of them. Because, see, they didn't have New Testament teaching when they were going through life. Let's start with, with Joseph, and I'm just going to very briefly go through a couple of chapters here and pick out a few verses back in Genesis 39. And you think as I go through these things, how did these people stand in their time? Because it wasn't because they were part of a church group that had rules. Yes, they had the law of God. But I want to start in Genesis 39. And this was after Joseph was sold into Egypt. Notice what it says in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Verse 5. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all them all that he had in the house and in the field. Joseph's relationship with God was evident. And it wasn't because he had somebody looking over his shoulder. He was there by himself. And so, maybe I better put this in here yet. Don't go away from here, and I have it in my notes later, but I'll probably say it again. Don't go away from here thinking that I am anti-rules, anti-whatever, uh, okay? I think there is benefit. I appreciate what Brother Gerald said this morning. There is benefit. There are teaching benefits from practices even though we haven't grasped onto them. I mean, there are things that my parents taught me that I did just because they told me to. And today I see there's a benefit in what I did even though I didn't appreciate what they wanted me to do then and there are still benefits from from those things today go down to chapter 40 and this was in prison and Joseph was interpreting dreams or getting ready to interpret dreams and he said do not interpretations belong to God he had that connection with God. Go over to um, chapter 41 and verse 16. And this is when Joseph was before Pharaoh now. And he said, it, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Joseph is taking zero credit for who he is. But he's giving God all the credit. And don't forget that Joseph is by himself. And he's not 65 years old. He's a young man. Verse 25. Joseph said, God hath shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Verse 28. God is about to do 
what God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Verse 32, it is, a, it is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Verse 38, Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Verse 39, And God, Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath shown thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Joseph did what he did, accomplished what he did, was faithful in what he did because of a relationship with God. Now these next ones, I won't give you time to turn to all these. I, I know uh, time might become an issue here, so I'm, I have a lot of these verses printed out. I want to think about Daniel for a little bit yet. Uh, Daniel and, and his three friends. In Daniel 1, it says this, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Notice the search process when they were looking when, when Daniel was part of the picture. Good-looking men, no blemish. They were gifted in wisdom. They had a lot of knowledge. They were quick to understand, and they could serve before the king. What happens to those kind of people today? A lot of them, their ego gets puffed up enough that it gets in the way, and then pretty soon they're way out in left field somewhere. But not these four. Verse 5, The king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names, to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael, Az to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Verse 8 says this, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank, I'll stop there just a little bit. So, there was a rule in the rule book that said this. My Bible says he purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself. Yes, there was God's law. Continuing on, therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. The chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are of your age? Then you will endanger, would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel asked, said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. 
and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Daniel had a purpose in his heart. Now, I don't have any question but what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also had that, but Daniel was specifically said as purposing in his heart that he would not defile himself. Down there in a strange country where the, where the leaders of Israel weren't going to be seeing him partake of this, where his parents weren't going to be there, where the church wasn't going to be there, bringing it down to today. Chapter 3. And this is the fiery furnace incident. And you have the three that would not heed the king's command. And they were found out. And they went to the king. Said, you made a decree that everyone's to do this. And but there are certain that don't do this. Verse 12 of chapter 3 says, there, were, there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in a rage and fury gave command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Let me stop there again. How many times have I just sort of uh, snuck under the radar. You know, I, I don't, I don't agree with what the king commanded, but I'll, uh, you know, I won't worship, but I'll, uh, I'll sort of hide so I can't be seen, so I don't get in trouble. Of course, you would never do that. I know. I have. Okay. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? And he gave them a second chance, okay? Nebuchadnezzar was, was open to giving them another chance. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you in from my hands? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, the, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. 
personal um, dare I say bold statement to someone that had the capability of dealing with them of course you know that what happened he was so angry that he heated the furnace too hot that it killed his soldiers that took those three and put them in the furnace. And they get up and walk around in the middle of that. Dropping down to Daniel 6. Daniel continued until Darius's reign. Daniel 6, it says this, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them. So there's accountability. Okay? They had 120. They had three that, were, that they were to be accountable to. so that the king would suffer no loss. Verse 3, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. What a testimony. And keep in mind, this is before Jesus Christ came on the picture as a sacrifice. Now, you, know, you go back to the fiery furnace. Um, I don't know who you think was in that fire with him. It says it appeared to be the Son of God. And so, anyhow. Verse 9, Therefore King Darius signed the written decree, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times, a day, three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Daniel had a good custom. Now, I don't kneel down at home in Strasbourg and pray toward Strasbourg. I don't kneel down at home in Edinburgh and pray towards Strasburg, okay? But if you remember back, uh, and I didn't go back and look this up, I'll probably give the wrong king, but I said it was, I think it was Solomon that said that asked God to hear the prayer of his people in captivity when they turned toward Jerusalem. Daniel did that. Verse 11, these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days 
except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of the lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. They knew they had him. And the only way they could find anything was between him and his God. And the king realized what he had done. Of course, we know the end of that story. Daniel's God came through for Daniel, but not for the men that brought the accusation. Let's go a little bit to the New Testament. In Matthew, again a familiar story and a miracle. Matthew 14:22 says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. I'm going to stop there just a little bit. So here, the disciples had just witnessed miracles. Jesus had sent the crowd away. They were out here in the middle of the... Of the um, Sea of Galilee, I think. And one thing I want us to remember is that these happenings that I'm referring to in the New Testament happened when Jesus was there. He was with them. Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, I've seen pictures of this that shows stones out there that Peter could walk on through the water. I don't believe that for a moment. I believe Peter was walking on water. But, verse 30, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. All right, so here you have Peter right in the presence of Jesus. He's walking on the water to Jesus. But he looks out and sees those waves that have caused them problems in the boat that night. And he starts to go down. 
this Peter that grew up fishing was scared of that water. Now I can understand if it was me. You all know I'm scared of heights, right? Even if I can't look out. Now I can climb up some places as long as it's dark and I can't see out. But once I can start seeing out, I'm done. And it didn't just start a couple years ago. That goes back to when I was a youngster. Um, and this is beside the beside the. This is going down a real rabbit hole, I guess. You all know that my dad was a welder. At least some of you do. And uh, I can still see what he was welding on that time when this story took place. It was a concrete tower, a hundred feet tall, and he was welding the railing around the top of that concrete tower. But there was stairs that went up with landings and railings, and but you could see right through those things. And we went to his job one night, and we were told we could go up, my sister and I, my younger sister and I. And we got up and started going up, and I got up about halfway, and I sat down. And I'd go up another landing, and I'd sat down. My sister, she got tired of waiting on this, and she went on to the top. And I sat there and patiently waited for them till they came down. So I'm afraid of heights. I've got a certain fear of water. I can swim, but um, I know of good swimmers that have come close to drowning in water. I participated in a funeral of one that was a good swimmer I used to swim with frequently that drowned in water. But anyhow, Peter was afraid. But he was afraid not because Jesus wasn't there, but because he put his focus somewhere else. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why do you doubt? And the wind ceased. Chapter 26 of Matthew. We have Peter making a bold statement here. And before the night was over, he denied Christ three times. Matthew 26, 31 says, Jesus said to them, All of you shall will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Jesus is telling them, all of you are going to stumble because of me this night. Verse 32, But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. What a statement. Now I asked in one church one time, and I won't ask you for a response here, but I asked one time, did Peter have a choice not to deny Christ after Christ made that statement? I say he did. 
He wasn't. Christ wasn't putting him in a mold that he couldn't get out of. Christ just knew what he was going to do. And, and I'm, I'm amazed at Jesus' patience with his disciples, his patience with me. Because he did this for Peter when he knew what Peter was going to do. And I stopped before I got to the end of that verse. But I don't want us to forget what happened to the rest of them. Peter said, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. You know, we give Peter a rough time because he speaks out and gets pretty bold sometimes. My Bible says that the rest of the disciples said the same thing. But they all left too. So now I'm going to change gears to today. And I just handed out these accountability questionnaires this morning. If the only thing that is keeping you from accessing things that are inappropriate on the Internet is a filter or a block or even accountability to your brother, your sister, your preacher, you're living in defeat. Now, don't run off and say, I said these things are not necessary, okay? But if that's the only thing that keeps you from accessing those kind of things, you're already living in defeat. If the filter, block, accountability is the only thing that keeps you from these things, you have a deeper problem. You have a heart problem. You have a focus problem. Now, I'll just read what I have typed out here because I mean, I've already said this. Some might assume that from that statement that I am against the things that I mentioned. A filter or a block may keep you from accidentally accessing those sites. And accountability may keep you from that click of curiosity. But. The person that has a heart after the inappropriate will find a way to access that even with filters and blocks. I remember what one preacher told me from another area, another state. They had somebody they were working with and they actually took all the apps off of his phone. must not have taken quite all off because they found out he was accessing to fulfill his desires through Google Maps something that you know we would consider safe I'm telling you if you have a heart after that kind of stuff I don't care what kind of blocks you have it's not going to fix your problem Rules and guidelines are beneficial and necessary, but the only thing that will bring victory is a heart that is in tune with God and its focus is on Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to fix the issue. I'm glad for these things, okay? I don't want to throw them out a bit. But if I'm keeping all these things and leaving God out of the picture, I'm defeated. And by the way, if you're 
doing this and leaving God out of the picture, so are you. I want to refer to a couple of scriptures yet. Romans 7, 7 says this, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law said thou shalt not covet. Now there's one verse in here, and I don't remember exactly where it is, but um, I have written in my Bible that the law is diagnostic, and I think that came from Enos Heatwall years ago. The law tells us we're lost, tells us we've got a problem. Rules tell us we've got a problem. But those rules don't fix the problem. Jesus Christ fixes the problem. Romans 3 says this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. There's that verse that I was thinking about from Enos Heatwall years ago. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God has passed over the sins that, have previ that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Again, I'll say I'm glad for these things, but they're not enough. They don't do it without that relationship with Jesus Christ or with God through Jesus Christ. If you want some good reading sometime, go read Psalm 119. I want to refer to a few verses from there that I just, uh, just blessed me as I was getting ready for this. Um, the verse that came to mind was, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119.11 I want to read the first few verses. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Did you catch what the psalmist said? They don't do iniquity because they walk in the ways of God. Verse 4, you have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not, utterly, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. 
With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And then you go down to verses 101 and following for a little bit. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ. That gives me strength. John 15 verse 5 says that he's the vine, we're the branches. When we're detached from him, we can do nothing in ourselves. No, I'm not throwing this out this morning. But I am saying this isn't enough. It's never going to be enough. Rules and guidelines are beneficial and necessary, but the only thing that will bring victory is a heart that is in tune with God with its focus on Jesus Christ. We have a song, please.